You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. It is Thursday, March 23rd. The countdown to opening day continues. And joining us, as always, Mr. Adam McKelvey, our Brewers reporter. Adam, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, I think I speak for a lot of uh, media folks right now when I say that it is tough this time of year when uh, spring training is is winding down and you're just waiting for the regular season to begin to come up with, uh, you know, fresh, compelling content because I think that from the managers to the players to the media, we all want this to kind of wrap up and we just want games to start counting. And that's not going to happen for another, you know, week and a half, uh, you know, or thereabouts. So in the spirit of that, I thought we would switch things up today and instead of just uh, going down uh, the news cycle, let's do some uh, spring training superlatives, if you will, as we take a look back at some of the, the best and maybe worst of spring training or just some things that have kind of stood out. And one question, Adam, that I love asking the reporters every spring is that it seems like no matter what the team, there always seems to be a bromance that develops uh, in every spring training camp. It could be between uh, two younger guys fighting to make the team. It could be between uh, two veterans maybe on their, their last legs in the major leagues. Who knows? Or a combination of the two. So from what you've seen from this uh, Brewers uh, camp right now, the mix of young guys and older guys, what would you say has been the bromance that has developed uh, so far? Well, nothing compares to the bromance the Brewers had with Will Smith and Jeremy Jeffress. <laughs> that was broken up last year at the trade deadline. Uh, two standout. One is the uh, Brett Phillips, Josh Hader, of course. They had the Wayne's World video that uh, made the social media rounds. They did a really nice job on those two, seemed pretty close. But I'll give a little more inside one that fans don't get to see or hear about that much. Every morning in camp, Taylor Youngman and Tyler Cravey, two pitchers vying for bullpen spots uh, this year, play chess. And they usually gather a crowd. Guys kind of come around. But it's always those two playing. It's always very serious. And to tell you the truth, I don't even know who is the upper hand in this uh, spring training series. But they have uh, really enjoyed uh, their chess games every morning. So that, I think, is kind of the hidden spring training bromance in Brewers camp. Very nice, and it always seems that, uh, you know, so- something always develops, and, and oftentimes I hear that uh, it develops between guys that are fighting for the same position on the roster, which you might not expect, but uh, I guess through competition, uh, sometimes bonds do develop, so that's that's always good to see, and uh, it's good to see that the young guys are, are getting along swimmingly in our Brewers camp this year. Uh, Adam, as we uh, move along here, you know, when you talk about uh, – the minor league guys that, uh, you know, are always invited to major league camp, uh, you know, it seems like somebody always turns heads, somebody always raises eyebrows, and it doesn't have to be a real top-tier guy. It doesn't have to be a major prospect. It could be a guy that, you know, is in the lower levels of the minor leagues, a real young guy, perhaps still a teenager, that really, you know, comes out of nowhere and comes onto people's radar. So when you look at this entire mix, Give me one guy that's really uh, impressed people and has, uh, you know, surprised some people this spring. Well, let me cheat again and give you two for the price of one because when you say this, two guys jump right to my mind. One is Ryan Cordell, the second outfielder that the Brewers got in the trade with Texas last year that included Lewis Brinson, who is now Milwaukee's top prospect. 
Brinson had a great camp. He looks like he is right there at the edge of the major leagues, and he got a lot of attention this spring. But, but Cordell, this second player, quietly had a really good camp. He plays all three positions. He hit for some power. He looks the part. Um, he really, I think, impressed Craig Council and the coaches with being further along than Council thought perhaps that Ryan Cordell was. He's a player to really keep an eye on in a, in a crowded position of prospects in that Brewers organization. And the other guy that comes to mind is maybe a little more under the radar. Dustin Houle is a catcher, a 2011 draft pick who has been hurt a ton in his minor league career. He joked that he knows Maryvale Baseball Park better than anybody else because he spent so much time in extended spring training and uh, that those nasty days in the summer where guys are rehabbing from injury. Um, he was healthy in camp, his first big league camp, sort of brought over as one of those extra catchers just because you need so many guys to catch bullpens as pitchers ramp up for the season. But who was able to parlay that into a really impressive spring at the plate, uh, an OPS of, of like 1.4, really, uh, you know, hit a lot of doubles, opened eyes again of Craig Council and those coaches. And I'll tell you, that stuff does matter. Uh, they are not going to make future roster decisions based on a guy's OPS in the Cactus League, but he is now in the back of Craig Council's mind as a guy who really impressed in spring with the way he played and the way he carried himself. That stuff does matter in the big picture of this game. So as Council said, you know, who knows what happens? This is a position of turnover in the, in the organization with uh, Jonathan Lucroy and Martin Maldonado now gone. And it is not out of the realm of possibility that Dustin Hula will sometime play in the big leagues. And it would be a good story given all the injuries he's endured. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you said it perfectly that, you know, you, you cannot assess a guy based on a one-month sample of spring training pitching but at the very least, if you if you put yourself in the back of Craig Council's mind and the back of management's mind, then who knows? At least at least you're a guy that that's in the conversation. You've made yourself known, and that can only pay dividends down the road. So very good on him to have the spring that uh, he is currently having. Uh, Adam, to kind of switch gears here a little bit, uh, we saw the other day uh, the the video that went viral a little bit of Don Mattingly willingly taking a sledgehammer to the chest with a with a, nothing but a cinder block between himself and said sledgehammer. Now, I don't think that Craig Council is doing anything that extreme with the Brewers this spring, at least I hope not. But in that, in the, the spirit of that, what have the Brewers done to kind of break up the, uh, the monotony of uh, spring training as the days and the nights tend to blend together with one another th- uh, this time of year? Well, look, I don't, I don't know on this one, Matt. You know, it's like everybody's out on the golf course, but that's no fun because no. that's true of 29 other camps around baseball in <laughs> Florida and Arizona. I'm not sure that there was a, a big-time story for this year's team off the field, but I'll tell you – so I'll, I'll just tell you mine. My way to break up the monotony in uh, spring training is to get out and, and do some Phoenix hiking. There's some really great – hikes here right in the city and i think a lot of fans know about it but but fans who don't know about it if you do a spring training visit to arizona you got to make this part of uh, your plan a couple of mountains right in the middle of the city where you get great views and then sort of surrounding the city you can do a lot of fun stuff and we went out on the off day some of the front office guys and a couple of the riders and we did a hike up and over camelback mountain and on the way down we did see one baseball guy we saw carlos sabero the Brewers' first base coach who had just come back from the World Baseball Classic and was out for a hike. So it's, uh, that's the way I think a lot of people like to sort of break things up a little bit in spring training when you have a chance. For the players, though, 
man, all I hear about is golf, golf, and more golf. And I've got nothing against golf. It's a wonderful game, a wonderful way to unwind, but I, I would hope that uh, they would come up with something a little more exciting to, to kind of pass the time in spring training, but, you know, to each their own. Uh, do we have pictures of uh, said hiking and said mountains uh, on your Twitter accounts or anything like that? Well, we do. The guy to look for is Mike Vassallo, the Brewers PR director, who uh, appeared to be near perishing at many points on our hike. <laughs> and I took some photos and sent one to him, and I'm shocked that he actually posted one of them. So I will take the credit for a nice group photo of us and then also a photo. If you want to see the Brewers PR director appear to be dying of dehydration, that's available to you in, in the entire world. And, I mean, who wouldn't want to see that? So there you go. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. There. So, uh, Adam, let's see here. Next on the list is, uh, again, as, as we said, uh, these, these games, largely meaningless. We don't care about the final scores or, or the, the box scores for the most part. But for whatever reason, has one game or one performance within a game stood out to you this spring? Well, yes, it was the Brewers 24-3 to thrashing of the <laughs> Seattle Mariners at Maryvale Baseball Park, which has skewed their stats so hard that you know the brewers lead the cactus league as we speak here in in a lot of different offensive categories but that's that's so far skewed by that one game it makes it difficult difficult to kind of read how they've done as a group offensively i i think it was 24 unanswered runs in the middle of that game including a 10-run inning that began with seven straight hits it was just one of those days and i asked the scout you know if you're scouting the mariners on that mariners pitchers what, what do you get from a game like that and he looked at me and he said, you know what you do? You close the book. In other words, you, you don't write anything down and you sort of forget that it happened because it's just one of those days that probably won't happen again. Uh, that was a game I certainly will never forget. Yeah, that, and that certainly speaks to the nature of baseball where some days everything drops in. Other days, you know, you get a pitch right down the middle, you foul it off or you miss it completely. Brewers didn't miss many pitches that day. As, like you said, they scored 24 runs. So, uh, with good reason, that is the game that certainly stands out. And, uh, Adam, of, uh, of the newcomers on this team, and there have been a few this offseason, uh, Eric Thames for one, Travis Shaw another, just to name two uh, of that group. The newcomer that you personally have enjoyed interacting with the most. Well, we love Jabba Chamberlain, and his camp unfortunately came to an end this week. The Brewers decided he wasn't going to be one of the guys in their opening bullpen. They opted instead of waiting to the end of camp to just tell him now, give him an opportunity to try to hook on with another team here. He was a lot of fun. He was really good for the young players. He drove this basically a semi-cab to the ballpark every day, uh, sort of tricked out. I don't even know if you call it a car or a truck or what. It was this gigantic behemoth of a car, and he was a, a real character in camp, and it was sad to see him in. I'll say of the players who are going to make it to Milwaukee, the newcomer I've really enjoyed talking to is Eric Thames, a really thoughtful guy, went to Korea, an unknown uh, place for him, three years there putting up really silly numbers. But there was a lot of pressure involved in that and a lot of changes. I mean, it's kind of dressing at the hotel and then going to the stadium in your uniform, just little, little things that challenge him along the way. He said one of the ways he kind of adapted is he did a lot of reading, um, fiction, nonfiction, self-help, meditation, all kinds of different topics, and it was really interesting to talk to him about how he navigated this new experience and had success doing it. So I, I've really enjoyed getting to know him. Uh, he has a really interesting story on this team moving forward, and uh, if he has success, 
it'll be interesting to see whether other players from the Korean baseball organization get a shot from major league teams. It's kind of a test case uh, of, you know, how do you read those statistics and do they translate over here? And uh, the Brewers certainly hope that they do. They're going to give them a nice long leash to play first base and we'll see. Yeah, we will. And uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, how he readapts uh, to major league pitching as he is the guy that the crew is counting on to replace the 41 homers that uh, Chris Carter had last year. He, of course, now a New York Yankee. That'll be a very interesting dynamic uh, for 2017. Adam, to wrap up here, uh, I had to resist the temptation to do the entire podcast about the World Baseball Classic because it's something I was really into, and I think a lot of people were as well. I want to make uh, two points and to see if you agree or disagree on them, maybe just one point. But the U.S., obviously uh, a great, great, title-clinching victory on Wednesday, defeating the juggernaut Puerto Rico team 8-0. But the discussion has been not so much about that result, but about the the comparing and contrasting between the two styles of play, between, you know, the flair and the passion shown by not just Puerto Rico, but the, the Latin countries as a whole, as opposed to the more business-like demeanor exhibited by the U.S. At least, you know, up until this tournament, we saw a little more flair from the U.S. guys, but that seems to be the central discussion. And in particular, Ian Kinsler was the one guy that said, you know, he made the comments that, like, look, I think it's better that kids who are, you know, raised on the game and who want to get into the game play the game the way that we play it as opposed to the way that it's played in the Latin countries. And I had a problem with that because, again, if you want to conduct yourself in a business-like way, more power to you. If you want to show flair and passion like the Latin countries, more power to you. What I disagree with is him saying that our way is better than their way, and that kind of struck me the wrong way. What's your take on that? Yeah, I agree. I mean, to me, the answer is always somewhere in the middle. The right answer is always somewhere in the middle. And I think that you see that in the World Baseball Classic where the the – flair for the game it rubs off on some of the other teams the u.s team played with flair you know eric hosmer is doing the sort of the uh his version of the aaron Rodgers championship belt thing (laughs) that he does in green bay packers games where he does that uh you know runs his hands across the usa on his chest that stuff's cool i think kids like it it shows a love for the game and that you're trying to win these charged games so i i like uh i like the flair i like the fun i've probably said this to you before matt my favorite experience in baseball are not the World Series I've covered. It's not the All-Star Games, not the postseason games. It was the first World Baseball Classic. I was lucky enough to cover the second round in San Juan, Puerto Rico. And the four teams were Puerto Rico, the Dominican Republic, Venezuela, and Cuba, when Cuba was at the, you know, really still a powerhouse internationally. It was the coolest experience for a 28-year-old at the time, you know, and no, really still had no idea what I was doing covering baseball. And to sit there in the stands, basically, because that's where the auxiliary press box was at, and soak up the atmosphere of those games from the first pitch to the last, it's really something I'll never forget. Um, it was, you know, the, the tournament has changed a lot since then. I think it's gotten more, people are more serious about it now. And with the U.S. winning, I think a lot of people are right that now there are going to be more star players who get involved in this thing. I think it's going to be good for the tournament. I, I just think the fun of it, the, um, the the flair is the right word. The flair for these international, this international play is a very good thing. And if it's different from the Major League Baseball regular season, that's fine. That's a different grind than this short tournament. Uh, the, the tournament should be fun. 
and I think that uh, the the you know Puerto Rican players, the Dominican players, um, everybody, the U.S. players, they showed that this is a fun game and a fun tournament. Yeah, I think the the bottom line here is, it, folks, it, it's it's okay to have fun. Let's just <laughs> let's leave it at that. Good points all from Adam McCalvey. Adam, thank you so much for the time. We will do it again at this time next week. In the meantime, Matt Waymeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras, Milwaukee Brewers. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.